The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Speaking loud enough? I'm sorry. So, <clears throat> I'm sort of organizing my thoughts. I'm talking to people has got my mind going in lots of places, and I'm aware of all the f- f- fingers going off in different directions. And this is a process of bringing it back to the topic at hand and the steadiness that's required for that. So I think what I, what I want to talk about is the, um, the idea of how to be who you are in this moment as opposed to who you think you should be or who you would like to be, and to realize that that fantasy sets up the expectations that lead to suffering. And the ability to just be who you are in this moment, as you are in this moment, is honoring the conditions that exist in this moment, and ultimately honoring yourself not the self as an Oedipus to be defended, but as the process of being alive is the self. So what I want to do is talk about this uh, through a story I heard last night from a friend of mine. And the friend of mine uh, talked about how her life lately has worked into sandwiches, things Things have been sandwiched in between other things. And in particular, recently her sister-in-law died after a very extensive illness. And her brother had been supporting his sister through this extensive illness. (coughs) When she was totally unresponsive for, you know, over a year. And my friend, they, they live in... Portland, and my friend is periodically flying up there to support her brother, to support her sister-in-law, a very intense, dramatic illness. And the decision was made that they should stop feeding her through the feeding tube. This was a, a, a crisis and a, a difficult time for everyone, and so my friend was there, for the end of life. And then she left and joined her partner, her current life partner, on a trip to Amsterdam to see the Vermeer artworks. And then she came back, which was delightful to her and full of stories about how wonderful all of the art was. And then she came back and two days later flew up to Portland for the memorial. And then she came back here and a day later went up to Sea Ranch, where she now is on the coast, looking out over the ocean and how beautiful the ocean is. And she she was embarrassed to say, you know, it might seem strange that I sandwiched these trips in between these highly emotional, intense, grieving periods But she said, at no time did I feel that I wasn't with my heart. I wasn't 
I didn't feel guilty for going off and celebrating in Amsterdam, celebrating what I was able to do in Amsterdam. I'm not feeling guilty about being on the coast. She didn't use the word guilty. That's my, my interpretation of it. What she said is that she became aware that her heart was undivided. She didn't, did not feel like she had to be a certain person in a certain place. She was just doing what felt right at the time, under the conditions that she had. She's still carrying grief with her. She's still carrying the delight of the artworks. She spoke extensively about looking out over the ocean at Sea Ranch. I mean, she's a very, uh, what's the word I want, um, very lucky person to be able to do all of these things. And she's very, very grateful for, for what she called the opportunity to just be there. The opportunity in her life to just be where she was, wherever she was. The opportunity to not have to be a certain way in a certain place to certain people. One of the things that happened for her at the memorial is that the, her, she comes from a fundamentalist Christian family. And they're very, very strong fundamentalists. And a lot of the people who got up at the memorial were speaking in terms of this fundamentalist uh, mindset. And her, at one point in her life, she went through a, a traumatic separation from her family because she could not follow those beliefs any longer. And that wrenching feeling caused a great deal of defensiveness in her, and she was worried about going to the memorial and how she might react to what was going to be a lot of language that she had a lot of defenses against. And to her great surprise. She was able to hear just what people were saying. They were just saying how important this woman was in their lives and how what a delightful person she was and how fortunate she was and how fortunate they were to know her. And the, the whole process, my friend was able to just see beyond the trappings of what they said to what they were saying, and she felt totally involved in love. And she called it a process of releasing the veils, the self-protective veils that were around her. She no longer had to be the person who was resisting fundamentalism. She could be there in it, She could just, oh, these are good people saying good things. I am happy to be in the midst of this. I don't have to defend the person I think I am. That losing of defensiveness against or the striving to be is actually suffering. 
It's wishing things were other than they are. It's an unwillingness to see things just as they are. The stories that we tell ourselves about who we are create the view through which we view all of the conditions of our lives. It becomes the, the you know, I, I wear corrective lenses. And when I put them on, I, I can see relatively well without them. I, I have had cataract surgery, and so I have new lenses, new for my life. And uh, one is short distance and one is long distance. But I find if I use corrective lenses, that everything is more clear to me. So the view that I see through these corrective lenses is different than the view I see without them. If we think of all of the things we think about ourselves as being obscurance to seeing things just as they are, then the idea of removing the veil takes on more sense, takes on more meaning. What we try to do in our practice is be able to see clearly, clearly without naming something in a way that puts it into a category that we don't have to think about or is convenient or we're used to. If I think of myself as optimistic, then I have to put a good face on everything. I live with a man who is uh, very kind and really hates confrontation. So he'll do anything rather than fight with you. I come from a family of fighters. We know this about one another. We adjust to one another. Neither is good nor bad. It just is. When we live according to how it is in this moment, we are free of having to be a fighter or having to be a conciliator. We can just be what's appropriate for now. I don't have to be whatever it is I think I am. I can just be here with my intention. The intention that I have adopted for myself back when I first began meditating had to do with um, a fear that I was so closed off that I, I couldn't be a compassionate person, that there was something wrong with my heart. And over time, I came to understand there was nothing wrong with my heart. It's just that I wasn't making it available. <laughs> I had a very selective way of making it available. And so I, became, I, and I had in my metta practice a wish for myself to be open-hearted. Big, big emphasis on be open-hearted, be open-hearted. May I be open-hearted? And then one day I heard... the difference between becoming open-hearted and being open-hearted. And I said, oh, why don't I just be open-hearted? And then I heard, be open. Oh, 
Why not I just be open? That was pretty scary. Because that has to do with being vulnerable. Oh, seeing this is the way to insight. It isn't that all of a sudden I understand open-heartedness in a different way. It's seeing this person and how this person is reacting in this moment and seeing clearly to, oh, I am not a problem. I'm not a problem. I'm not a problem to be solved or fixed or changed. I am just this person with the intention toward compassion in my life. That's all I have in this moment. The intention and the next step. The conditions of my life are not in my control. All of the things that have happened in my life are imprinted through this sensing body. And the mind wants to make a continuous thread and say, this is who you are. But I don't have to do that. I don't have to do what the mind says to do. I can just see as clearly as I can in this moment and be open to not knowing who I am. Not having to know who I am. Not having to be the person that has the perfect practice and the perfect heart. I can just be here. Now. Here. With all of you. We are all born and die. And we are all uniquely who we are in this moment. And there's no need to be otherwise. The diligence of practice, the discipline of practice, is to show up and remember our intentions. That's facilitated by a still heart. To just settle into just this. And that's what I wish for you. The stillness and the seeing clearly. Just here. Thank you.